you are now listening to a brand new episode of Starfleet Escape Podcast, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, also known as the Fun! Hey there, Eric here from Socially Awkward Studios, and this Four-Eyed Radio presentation is being proudly brought to you by Raven Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit ravencruise.com. Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 46 and is being recorded on September 5th, 2014. Today's topic, Star Trek Turns 48. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. This episode is brought to you by Raven Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit ravencruise.com. Hey, Darren. Hey, Aaron. (laughs) Thank you for joining me this week. You're more than welcome. I'm beginning my slow takeover of all of Eric's shows, and Mm -hmm. uh, so this was next on my list. I heard he's working on a secret project, and I'll just uh, I'll, I'll usurp him in that regard as well. But no, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on to be docking our two shows and uh, have a great conversation about Star Trek. Yeah, the the last time we talked was about over a year ago on August 9th. That's right. I was having my Trek Podcast Month uh, back in the second or let's see, no, this would be the first uh, season of the Doctor Sci-Fi Show. So for a whole month of August, I had other guests on who did Star Trek-related podcasts, and eventually that led to me joining the Trek FM network and launching our own podcast there with, with Earl Grey. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun, getting to interview you guys about how you do your show and how it started, because I'm sure you, get, you ask all the questions normally, so you got the other <laughs> end of the, of the chair that time. Right. So that's great. And like you said, Earl Grey, so that's a next-gen podcast. Correct. So Trek FM, or Trek.FM for the URL, uh, is, a, is a Trek podcasting network, and they have about... A, uh, I always lose track of how many shows they are because they, they, they keep shows. coming out with new ones, but at least 12. And so <laughs> we have five, one for each of our series. And so my co-hosts, Philip Gilfus and Daniel Prue and I, we host a TNG-themed show called Earl Grey, all of our shows have a clever, witty title based on something from the series. So if you want your dose of good English tea by a Frenchman, then definitely uh, listen to, uh, to Earl Grey each week. Uh, we air uh, on Tuesdays. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I th- I, you'd think we'd run out of topics, but we're going strong. We're about to hit uh, one year with our 53rd episode coming out in a couple weeks. That's awesome. And you can have at least 180 episodes because it was like 180 next-gen episodes. I think so it was like 176 go. or so oh, or yeah. 178, yeah. yeah. Well, And actually, we don't. It, it's not even an episode review show. We just talk about next-gen in general. So we've talked about uh, our favorite things from season two. We've talked about uh, why you shouldn't skip season one and justice and why Riker is in a 
very bad relationship with Troy and you know, <laughs> all sorts of things. So it's great because we rotate uh, hosting duties. So every three weeks I get to give my opinion or, or come up with my crazy thing to talk about and then the other two are my co-hosts. I'm the one who creates the ridiculously long episodes that are about lists because I, I can't help myself and I always pick ridiculously long topics. So I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm sorry, Philip. I am going to counseling for this. I'm trying to get better. No more list shows. I, 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 I promise. <laughs> it's been a while, actually, since our show, The Escape Podcast here, has had a proper episode. Our last episode was a supplemental episode, which, for those who don't know, is a commentary track of uh, an episode of Star Trek, Where No Man Has Gone Before, the second pilot of the original series. So catch that if you missed it. And I love how you guys call them supplementals. It's such a great term, but it, it just applies so well. It's like it's an episode, but it's kind of on the side, you know, and it's a little different different style than your normal take. So though, those are fun. It's, it's always tricky doing commentary episodes because you have to engage enough where if you are listening without the background, it's not, you know, dead air, dead air, dead air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one of the things I because <laughs> like, sometimes you get so drawn in from the action that's going on in the episode that you forget your recording. Yeah, you, you kind of need a little timer going off in the corner like every 10 seconds. Have you said anything, Eric? <laughs> right, exactly. But, yeah. So let's jump into the news here. Jerry Ryan, Ethan Phillips, Robert Picardo, Garrett Wang, and Tim Russ will be lending their voice talents to Star Trek Online, and they will be a part of the Delta Rising storyline coming later this fall. Yeah, I saw that pop up in my Twitter feed. At first I just saw the the image some they had put together where they had their representative characters, you know, all in one kind of group photo. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's cool, they're all together. I wonder why. And then, you know, oh they're going to start you know, lending their, uh, their voice talent. So that's, that's really cool. I mean, anytime you get one of the original cast to, to lend their voice, it just adds a little more to the realism. Uh, right. We played a little bit of Star Trek Online together once it went to Mac. It hadn't been on Mac for okay. a long time. So uh, I could finally join the 24th century and play <laughs> Star Trek once they got around to adding that. So it was fun. We've... Uh, I uh, got a little reliant class ship and we've been we went on missions and died a lot but it was <laughs> it was it was good it was good times that's cool I, I've played it once um that was it <laughs> it's a bit of a time sink and I I I just don't have the hours to donate right. to it but it's fun every once in a while as a as a kind of casual game yeah that image that you were talking about with them lined up Neelix is looking pretty buff in that picture well, you know, I remember that episode where he, you know, he's always been wanting to be part of the tactical team, so right. I think he's been secretly <laughs> training under uh, Tuvok's holodeck training simulations, so mm-hmm. he's he's pretty ripped. Yeah, that, that must be it. That must be, I mean, I can't think of any other reason <laughs> in all of Star Trek of why they pixelate his character like that. That's good. <laughs> Actually, are you uh, or have you heard of Star Trek Riza? I have. Media? I couldn't log on, so I <laughs> I attempted to and, and and didn't get very far. In that, it's kind of the community, like a like a Star mm-hmm. Trek kind of community, yep. uh, not actually like Riza. So no, no, not not quite. 
Actually, they did have some downtime recently, a couple of weeks ago. So that might be why you weren't able to get online. That is most likely why. So don't hold that against them, people. It it is a good service. Just uh, d- don't base it off of my uh, <laughs> uh, my experience. Over there, they have a Star Trek Online competition going on right now. Unfortunately, it'll be over by the time this episode airs. But they're big Star Trek Online players over there at Star Trek Ryza. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's it's always fun, you know, playing with your friends and, you know, finding the other ships and or just finding each other. It's kind of hard to find each other in right. in in the game, but when you do, it you can do some awesome maneuvers. And I I I hate the Borg. They always show up and ruin <laughs> my simulation, but, you know, darn Borg. Darn Borg. <laughs> Next, the Will Wheaton project will not be renewed for a second season on the Sci-Fi Network. Yeah, I uh, I actually I catch one episode. I just don't watch a lot of cable, so I didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to catch a lot. It was an interesting formatted show, but I but I but besides the show, I really liked the the when Will Wheaton announced that it wasn't being renewed. He had this great kind of he basically told the story about how that happened, and you know just walking on a beach with his wife, just having a nice nice day. And he, he's, he's really, he'd put himself in a good place where, you know, if it wasn't renewed, it wasn't renewed. And, and I mm-hmm. think, you know, as creative people, often we can hang so much on something and hold on to it too tight that it's, it's almost damaging when it ends. So it doesn't seem like right. that's the case in this case. I mean, it'll be sad that, you know, he doesn't get to pursue that kind of creativeness, you know, with the people he had been. But... I mean, he's a very talented person. He's he's going to mm-hmm. put his creativity into other great stuff, like Tabletop. <laughs> yeah. I actually haven't had the opportunity to watch it because I do not have sci-fi, but I heard good things. Next is something that will probably interest you. Rick Berman tweeted a photo of a script entitled Star Trek The Next Generation, The Movie. And the official Star Trek site reported that Rick Berman said the studio wanted two scripts, and the one in the photo was never used. So calm down. They're not making a new Star Trek The Next Generation, the movie. This is an old <laughs> script. I'm sure there was right. someone out there who thought, oh, they're getting back to I mean, they're not dead, so they could technically get back together. But right. no, no, this was from Generations from 94. That's uh, a little wise, while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Trek memorabilia is super choice right now, so anything, mm-hmm. even a, an unused script, uh, maybe the Enterprise doesn't crash in this one. You never know. Right. I actually want to see what happens in this script. And kind of the what could have been. I kind of feel like it would be better than Generations. Yeah, we, we've talked about Generations a bit on Earl Grey. We did a crossover with... Uh, our other show, Standard Orbit, which is our original series podcast. So mm-hmm. they talked. We did a two-episode kind of co-op, and they talked about the original series aspects, and then we talked about the next-gen aspects. And yeah, it it could have been a lot better. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not a terrible movie, but it had a lot of potential that mm-hmm. it just didn't. It, there's there's episodes in Next Gen that were better, like right. like two parters that you I would have rather just seen on the screen mm-hmm. uh, that I have actually with some of the Blu-ray releases. But uh, yeah, it I I agree. It definitely that would be interesting to see the what the what if right, and it could be a non-prime universe. 
Yeah, let's. We're not. We won't even. Yeah, no, we're not even no? gonna go there. No, I, I would like that. I would. <laughs> you like mean you mean a mirror episode? Not necessarily a mirror episode, just a alternate universe mm. where this is what happened. Like it's the same up until this point. Oh, this is where it splits, as it were. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it, but it would be interesting to see what they had written because uh, right. I mean, scripts change a lot, so mm-hmm. a whole different direction draft is what it sounds like. Uh, yes, it's it was completely original, different than what we saw on screen. Well, I mean, the last point I'll make about it is, and I, and I've said this before, but it it was trying to be a passing of the torch movie, right? Like, and it didn't need to because it was at the end of seven seasons of Next Gen. I mean, mm-hmm. the torch had been passed, right? Uh, you know, so it, it it's like trying to think yeah, we had analogy, it in yeah. Encounter at Firepoint with uh, McCoy. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, and and even then, just yeah, it, it had been passed, and DS9 was going. I mean, the train had left the station. We didn't <laughs> right. need to go back, but right. you know, not that I don't want to see Kirk on screen again, but you know. Moving on, we have Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize has announced ten finalists. Uh, the goal of the project is to create a portable medical scanner device that weighs no more than five pounds, can be usable by anyone. Monitor five vital signs and accurately assess 15 different medical conditions. And the winner will receive $10 million. So if you're one of those finalists, you have a 1 in 10 shot of, uh, of, of getting it. Yeah, this is an awesome prize. I mean, I know you guys have talked about before how Star Trek you know, really inspires a lot of people to create technology. Not not necessarily, like, direct technology, but we're actually getting to the point where that's happening now. People are trying to make actual communicators, things that are that small that operate in the same way, tricorders, 3D printer, you know, food replicators, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's getting better and better. That Our technology's, funny enough, as we're getting closer to the 24th century, we're able to get closer to that level of technology, and that's great. I mean, I, I definitely am always for new technology, especially like this, where it's it's such a positive use, right. uh, and, and it'll be it'll be great. So, g- Godspeed to the 10 finalists, and Hope they, uh, you know, even if you're the runner-up, I'm sure you'll still have some great technology on your hands. Right, exactly. And I'm sure the research and development is way more than $10 million to actually come up with the device. I mean, especially because, well, you know, the first step is you buy, you know, the Playmates toy, and then you cut (laughs) all the guts out, and then you're like, this, you know, it's like the Apollo mission. You're like, we have to fit all of this into this. Using nothing but this. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the 24th century equivalent to duct tape? Uh, oh, self-stealing stem bolts. <laughs> there you go, exactly. <laughs> um, so next, do you have an iOS device? I do. I actually have uh, played Star Trek Trexels. I have as well. So Star Trek Trexels... The iOS game is now free. The style of it is pixel art. It's cute, fun, and has some narration by George Takei, and it now offers TNG-style characters and like a Galaxy-class starship. Yeah, although some of the interiors are still basically a original series just plugged into. It's like you're on the holodeck mm-hmm. inside the... Uh, the but I, I, I appreciate it. I mean... 
yeah, I, I think they were right in starting with the original series artwork and all of that, and and it worked well. But uh, I am that's the nice thing about video games is you can keep upgrading and adding things, and it's definitely a nice addition. You know, I, I definitely want to see you know data running around. Uh, on on my away mission, you know nothing against Kirk, but you know I think he he's mm-hmm. the ultimate uh, away mission leader. Data? Well, I mean, every time he kept being stranded on a planet with people who didn't want to do what he told them to do, like he he made it happen. That's so. true. That's that's very true. Uh, and we actually had the creator of, or one of the, the creator teams of Trexels on our continuing mission podcast where we talk about other people who are just taking the Trek genre mm-hmm. forward. So that was an awesome interview. I really enjoyed listening to that one, just hearing how the project came about. Because, you know, it, it's a great property. It's Star Trek. You know, who wouldn't yeah. want to make a Star Trek game? So it's like, how how did how did you get so lucky? <laughs> But I saw next you had that Shatner has his new TNG documentary coming mm-hmm. out that will reveal a behind-the-scenes look at the first two seasons of the series. Now, I'm assuming that means the original series, because that's, no. that's the one he... No. no. It, <laughs> first two seasons of of the next generation, which doesn't make... I don't know. If, for those people who know me, I'm not a huge Shatner fan, so I was kind of surprised about this when I, when I first saw it. He's got to be keeping busy. I mean, what yeah. else is he in? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He, well, he has the Priceline commercials. So this documentary is entitled William Shatner Presents Chaos on the Bridge. <laughs> you see, it's got a colon, so you know it's a Star Trek title. Pre-reboot. Pre-reboot. Well, yeah. I mean, he didn't play Kirk in the reboot, so why would he not put a colon that's, there? That's true. So it aired last month on HBO Canada. And it's expected to be released in the United States soon. Would this be something that you would watch? Because it's on HBO, probably not, because I don't have cable. So, <laughs> but I'm sure some clips will end up on YouTube or something, and I'm sure I'll catch those some some amount. I, I mean, I think he's been doing a lot of great things. He's one of those people where when he gets some of the other captains together and like has his like captain roundtables and interviews mm-hmm. them, it's like okay, he may not be the best interviewer, but no one else can really do that. I mean, he is one of the captains. Like, it's literally just like tapping them on the shoulder, like, hey, could you come sit in front of a camera for me? Mm-hmm. I mean, he has that cloud, and, and, he, and he is a very nice guy. So, I mean, I have enjoyed those kinds of behind-the-scenes things, uh, but, but yeah, just the, my biggest barrier would be just, you know, put it on the internet, and I will definitely watch it. Right, I'm hoping it goes to Netflix, yeah, I can definitely see it. A lot of his other stuff has uh, has gone to Netflix too, so that right. would that would be great. So here's hoping. Next on our list here, Michael Dorn will be voicing a new Firefly character for the upcoming Firefly Online MMO. Now, don't don't cross the streams, Aaron. This is getting dangerous. I mean, <laughs> Michael Dorn's Wharf. How could he possibly voice another character? It's not like Mark Hamill ever did a voiceover of anything outside of, you know, Star... Oh, wait, no. <laughs> but, no, this is great. I mean, it's it, you see it happen a lot where a sci-fi actor, you know, gets to do other sci-fi stuff. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's smart. It's you, You're basically tapping into the Star Trek franchise by placing a Star Trek actor, you know, doing a voice in your Firefly online. But, hey, good for Firefly getting an, an MMO. I mean, I know mm-hmm. uh, Stargate, I think, had one at some point or is getting one. I, I keep forgetting where that went. But 
you know, Firefly had a great universe. I would definitely would like to play around in that universe some. So and good for good for Michael Dorn. He's got a pretty pretty good voice. Yes, yeah, true. A very distinctive voice at that. I mean, he. I mean, who could forget such quotable lines as "Good tea, nice house." <laughs> uh, that was a good episode. Yeah, that's a good one. So next, we have some Kickstarter news. This is kind of a follow-up to our 45th episode when we had some Kickstarter news, just to you know tie the bow, so to speak. So first, Free Enterprise TV pilot Kickstarter campaign. Unfortunately, this project did not meet its goal of $225,000. Now, I didn't hear about this one, so was it like, let's make a pilot, and if it's good enough, CBS is going to like get off their butts and actually do something with Star Trek? Is that the base, basic it's goal? or the Free Enterprise movie that came out in, like, 99, I think. Oh, man, that's a while ago. I don't, I do not recall that. <laughs> yeah, William Shatner was in it, I think, and I don't think it really had anything to do with Star Trek. Yeah, so, I, I don't, I don't recall. So, sorry for them, but, yeah. uh, uh, that's, uh, that's a, you know, big chunk of change to be asking right up front. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll talk more about the proper way to do a Kickstarter when we get a couple more bullet points, uh, down. Yeah, but, yeah. definitely. So next, the Gene Star Trek Roddenberry Project, the half-hour documentary exploring the genesis of Star Trek through the personal insights of its creator. This project exceeded its original goal of $15,000 and received pledges of $22,956. So, yay, good job, guys. You'll get to make that awesome documentary. I'd definitely like to see that documentary. I think... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff around the origin of Star Trek, but as we get farther and farther from 66, you know, a lot is lost or a lot is forgotten. And I think if you place... I'm I'm interested to see how they place everything that was going on in the context of 66, because it was a very mm-hmm. different time uh, politically, in show business and television, everywhere. I mean, I want to hear stories about Desilu and, you know, the decisions they made. I want to hear failed pilots and and second chances and casting the crew and everything like you know there's stories to tell so mm-hmm. i'm i'm looking forward to this one definitely likewise next bridge commander 2 campaign relaunch based off the original star trek bridge commander 2 unfortunately this project did not reach its goal of $70,000 well, but video games are so tricky because you could say, "Oh, it's going to cost seventy thousand, and it costs like a hundred and seventy thousand mm-hmm. and now i'm I know i'm I'm blanking on the name of the sim, but there's that bridge simulator. It's not Star Trek related, but it's very similar. It begins with an A. it'll come to me. But they've done a great, great work where you have like five different stations, and the captain like only captain doesn't have anything to do. Like he just has to tell you what to do, and then okay. you can like change the, the the view screen. So it's very Star Trek like, but it's done very very well. And so I feel like this already kind of exists, and there's there's ways to kind of. I mean, it doesn't have the Enterprise D, but I'm sure you know. I've seen people do some cosplay when they're on the bridge, and and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some mods that'll be coming out. So it's 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 close, close enough. So, but yeah, but just video game ones are so are so tricky to uh, to tie down, and they're they're so risky. Right. Uh, so I, I'm not entirely surprised that we want to remake Bridge Commander Two 
did not succeed. <laughs> yeah, there haven't been a lot of good Star Trek video games recently. Did you play Star Trek, the video game? Star Trek, the, I get be a little more specific. Uh, <laughs> it was the, uh, it came out right before uh, Star Trek Into Darkness with the Gorn. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I don't have any of the next-gen consoles, so... Oh, okay. But I did see some people play it. I, I heard it was the controls were a little interesting. It was kind of like the playability was interesting and yeah. I don't it, know. It was, if if you played with an actual person, uh, it was good. Like the co-op mode. Yeah. Otherwise, the AI like you could beat play either Kirk or Spock. Right. Uh, so you always had one of those characters with you when you're. Going about so your mission. Single player, you, he's just following you, and if it's co-op, he's controlled by the other player. Mm-hmm. So the AI was just terrible. Mm. I, I spent so much time on this one level because I think I I played Spock, and no, I played Kirk. Well, you have Spock. that goatee, so you're mirror Spock, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, he was just over in the corner, like shooting randomly while. <laughs> The Gorn was cloaked and, like, emerged every once in a while to, like, thrash you. So he's just ripping you apart. Right. And, like, come on, man. Help me out here. <laughs> so that mission took forever. Uh, but I, I successfully uh, finished that. Say, so I remember playing, oh, years and years and years and years, probably a decade ago, like a, Brit, like a, a fleet simulator. I remember it had, like, nine CD-ROMs you had to load <laughs> to get this thing in. So kids, ask your parents what that is. Uh, but uh, I also I found the bridge at Artemis is the name of the bridge simulator okay. uh, that I was mentioning before. So I was right. It begins with an A, and it's a bridge simulator. So. That's true. I've, I've, and there are I, YouTube videos, right, that you people yes, can find? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely would love to be at a con one of these days and uh, to play on, on one of those. It, it looks like a lot of fun. It's free. You can you – can, okay. uh, I think it's it – actually, wait, it's – it costs, but you buy like a bridge module, and that okay. and that basically lets you do one bridge. But but downloading the software itself is free. So like if you want to have all the stations and install it on all the computers, you don't have to pay for it like five times. I see. Um, but it looks it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you've played Star Trek games in the past. Uh, I played a couple. I mean, Trexels most recently, uh, uh-huh. obviously, but. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that 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 ship simulator, uh, and you know who can forget the Star Trek interactive VCR board game. Oh, I, mean, I had that. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's a classic right there. We were just talking about that on Earl Grey, and we were cracking ourselves up because you know it's it's not Galron because it's basically it's the same actor as Galron, mm-hmm. but it's different makeup and different uh, name. But I, I just, it was so I, you can find the whole video of that tape on YouTube, and it's just so funny because it's so corny now, mm-hmm. and it's just you know he like looks at the camera and he's like. You know, so there are Starfleet people on the Enterprise. You now have thirty minutes to stop me, and it's just—it's so preposterous. Like, what Klingon would do that? But it's fun. It was a lot of fun. I remember that game and and played that a lot. Uh, also, Star Trek: Seen It. Oh, I mean, okay. I guess these count as video games. I'm mean, sort of sure interactive. We actually again played that uh, in in Earl Grey. We all have a copy, so we played through Google Hangout. 
because um, we all have the same problem. No one wanted to play with us because we're all so good. You know, I, so, have, I have that game. No one wants to play with me either. Oh, right, next time you're in, you can be the fourth ship. Oh, good. So, uh, but awesome. you have to pick fast because Daniel really likes that defiance. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, same problem. It's like you know, nobody wants to play when you're like you ha- you have your own podcast about <laughs> that show. It's, right. I don't know why they don't want to go up against us, but. <laughs> Uh, what about you? Did you play any games in the past uh, for, I, for Star Trek? The game that I really liked to play was called Star Trek Starfleet Command. Yes. Okay. I and think were, I remember that. There were three of them. And yeah. the third one was uh, TNG Error. Error? Error? And uh, <laughs> the other two were uh, TOS TMP error, uh, the motion picture movie error, error. Ugh. Got it. No, yeah. I, I, I got what you're saying. <laughs> but the, I used to love that game, but they don't work on modern computers anymore. Yeah. And the one that probably would, I lent to a friend and only got one of the discs back. Oh, so, that's, that's why you can't share Star Trek with anyone. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I also, I just bought Star Trek Catan. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've, I've seen, seen that. Although, I actually, I just remembered the most recent video game I think I probably played was Voyager Elite Force. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I mean, by today's standards, I mean, it's a terrible game with terrible graphics, but, you know, back then it was pretty cool. So I like playing it. There were two of them. Did you play the second one? Yes, I think... I think it was just called Elite Force and was on the Enterprise E. Yeah, it was like Elite Force and Elite Force 2 or something. Yeah. I, I don't remember. But uh, I think I only played the Voyager one. I don't remember playing on the E. But oh, uh, you should get the get that one. That one was fun. But yeah, but that was a lot of fun because, you know, it was a run and gun, shoot the Borg, and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, what was that game? It was like a Borg takeover game. It had John Delancey in it. I think and it was he, called Star Trek Borg. Star Trek Borg, yeah. I think. Yeah, that, I didn't you know, play, but I've seen the like video clips. You've got a ninety-nine percent chance of being right with a name like Star Trek Borg. That's <laughs> probably what it was called, or Borg Invasion, or Q Borg, or something like that. <laughs> so, oh, but good, good memories, you know. Good, yeah, it's being continued on. Uh, just not in Bridge Commander 2. So, sorry, guys. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, next on our Kickstarter news here, Star Trek Axanar. Yes. Uh, with the final push at the end of the campaign with the help of George Takei, the project received an incredible $638,471, more than five times their original goal. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, uh, their original goal was $100,000. Yeah, so, and they're smart. They're not like, oh, if you do the stretch goals, we're going to just, I don't know, like, just stretch it into infinity. It's like, no, we're going to make a better product, or we're going to make more episodes, or we're going to, you know, well, it's it's just, it's it's going for the feature now. Mm-hmm. And, and like we were saying, you know, the way to do a good Kickstarter, so they had, this is their second Kickstarter, because mm-hmm. the first one you had Prelude to Axanar, which was to produce a 20-minute short and basically showcase what they could do. And boy, did it impress. Yes. 
uh, it was amazing. Like it, the quality was there, the story was there. I know the feature is not going to be in that kind of pseudo documentary style, mm-hmm. but I loved it. Like if that had been a yeah. show on, I, I want to. Why can't my TV tune in to the uh, <laughs> Starfleet Historical Society channel? I want that channel. Uh, right. That was amazing. Uh, and but yeah, but it, it proved the point of concept, and that's why you get this six times, you know, return. Uh, on that investment, so uh, and you know, not to be the broken record as I feel I am, but there's also a Star Trek FM podcast <laughs> called uh, Star Trek Axonar, the official podcast where we act- our uh, our own Christopher Jones talks with members of that uh, production and gives some great behind the scenes. So I promise I'm not trying to make this the <laughs> what what shows do we have on Trek FM, but uh, it's just oh, it's how it's lining network. up. Oh, thank you. Yep. But uh, yeah, but Axonar. Is great and it's gonna be be really good. Like you mentioned, why can't I tap into the Federation network to see these kind of doc- historical documentaries? Well, I mean, last time we had historical documents, we got Galaxy Quest, so we got to be really careful <laughs> with that. You know, that was a good Star Trek movie. Oh, that was a great that was a great one. Um, Spaceballs was to Star Wars. Galaxy Quest was to Star Trek. Yeah, definitely. But what I want to see, and they could definitely make it happen. I mentioned this in the last uh, episode. They should create a Dominion War documentary in this style. Mm. And get everyone from Deep Space Nine back in. It's been like 20 years since. Yeah, and it's okay that they've aged because it's the retrospective. Mm -hmm. And you can do it in the same style with the green screens and everything. Well, and, and I, I'd even say bring a couple of TNG crew over and show like what they were doing, because you know that the Enterprise E had to be doing something, you right. know, during the war. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be great. So Star Trek Axanar, and you know, it's just interesting. You get so much around the original series nowadays, which is fine, yeah. but it's just it seems to almost be like the default, like where it starts. And I'm with you, like I want to see more next gen stuff because there's still a big universe to play in. And mm-hmm. and I think yeah, Star Trek Axonar style historical channel for the Dominion War, I would watch that. Yeah. Get uh, Jeffrey Combs to come back and play about five characters. It's, you know, <laughs> you could do that. A, a hidden like eighth Wayun clone is like found. <laughs> or something like that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would definitely be cool. If you want to donate to Star Trek Axonar, they're still accepting donations, and you can get the perks that they were giving on the Kickstarter. Oh, that's which nice. is which is really cool. So if you go to StarTrekAxonar.com/slash/donate, be able to do that. Which is cool. It's cool that they're still offering the the perks. Yeah, and that's smart because I mean, as long as you've made good structured perks where they're not actually costing you more than what you're pulling in, then yeah, it's like why not? You know, the mm-hmm. Kickstarter literally becomes the Kickstarter for a continued donation campaign, which is is very smart. They're they're making some good decisions, which you have to in this game if you're going to be successful. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was actually surprised. I don't know if it's still the plan. They were going to have multiple Kickstarter campaigns 
I don't right. know if they need to do that now. I don't think they do. Yeah, they were like, we're going to try to get 100. If we get like 170, maybe, you know, then we'll do this and then we'll do another one. Like, it made it sound like this was going to be a multi-year process to get this all together. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if if 638 is enough, but they're going to start putting out some good stuff. And if they have to do a second round, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was equal to this round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it's a good project. Alec Peters is a good guy. So, And um, at the end, it's showing that fans love Star Trek, so give us more Star Trek, because I'm all for tooting that horn. Yeah, definitely. Or opening that frequency. That, that sounds better. That's a little more 21st <laughs> yeah, century. That's true. <laughs> so next up on the show, would you buy it? And now, traditionally, before we announce what it is, we usually ask uh, each other, would you buy this product. Uh yeah, I I could I could see, you know, balancing out some other Star Wars type things that I have in my mm-hmm. collection of the room that I would locate this in. <laughs> uh but yeah, I, I it's it's got a good price point and it's got a bit of a novelty factor to it. Mm-hmm. I would as well. I'm uh, huge into the Borg. The Borg are one of my favorite uh, species, I guess. Uh, even though they're more than one. Technically, species. multiple species. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Villains. Yeah. Yes, the villains, adversaries. Uh, the cube. I love the cube. I wish we didn't have so many <laughs> shapes now from Voyager. That's beside the point. Wow. And what is this? This is the Star Trek cube silicone 1.5 inch. Mold. So it's an ice cube maker, basically. Basically. Makes a single Borg ice cube at uh, perfect dimensions, uh, the same as they saw in uh, the J25 system. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So this is uh, cool. It's uh, basically a box with a removable lid, so you can put the water in (laughs) and then close it. I think the removable lid is more to get the cube out, (laughs) but yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Good observation, Darren. Uh, <laughs> I saw the first time I became bored. Let me tell you about that now. Yeah, I know it's a it's a great little thing, and it's got detail on it. And yeah, I think the trick would be I know there's certain tricks depending on like I think it's if you like use purified water or not, like on making an ice cube that's like frosted or not. Okay. I'd almost want to make a frosted one for this though to like maybe show more of the detail. Mm-hmm. On the outside, uh, but I've also seen people use these for other things like chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, anything like this you could make like a popsicle, uh, or you know, or but or just Jello. ice for your awesome, yeah, Jello uh, for your for your little uh, cocktail drinks. You could make a Sumerian sunset in the traditional fashion with <laughs> a Borg cube uh, uh, on the rocks in it. So it's yeah, it's at ten bucks, you know. It's 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 a doable price. If I think if it was anything more than that, it'd be like eh. It's if it was like a three cubes in like uh-huh. you know one extended thing maybe, but because it yeah, is kind, kind of, of. I mean, it's gonna be slow going because it's like make the cube, <laughs> take it out, but keep it frozen. Right. Make another. I mean, it's gonna be hard to make a fleet. Let's just say that. Right, and I agree with you. I wish it was more than one cube that you got. A while ago, we talked about. Borg whiskey stones. Oh yeah, 
the the kind you've yeah, I've seen I've seen those. Which aren't they? I didn't think they were actually cubes though. Didn't they just have the Borg logo on them? Yeah, yeah, they had the Borg logo. I think I would rather that though, just because there was more of them. I have the um, I think it's William Sonoma, but the the Star Trek cookie cutters where they have the stamp in them as well. So they have uh-huh. like the Klingon symbol and the original Enterprise and the and uh, the phaser the. Um, live long and prosper hands. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if I was going all out for a special nerdy party, because I never throw those, uh, <laughs> you know, this would be be fun. But yeah, it's it, it's a lot of work for one cube. And then right. if you want to have more than one, you literally have to buy more than one mold or figure out some way of keeping your ice cube from re melting. It's it's going to be tricky. Yeah. So oh, wow. actually, yeah. So, so yeah. So yes, for the novelist actor, but the more I think about it, the more it's <laughs> not quite enough as one. Maybe if it was three in a row, it'd be a little more worth it. But yeah. So yeah, I might reconsider it. But I'm like I said at the top, I'm I'm a big fan of the Borg. Uh, I have several Borg uh, action figures of various species. I have a Klingon over there, a Klingon Borg. Uh, and some others. So, moving on. Oh, those are will be. They're not even available yet. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, you're you're pulling at my heartstrings. <laughs> they uh, they're estimated to be available March 2015, and that would be from Diamond Select Toys. Uh, you can find the link in our show notes. Yeah, well, you know, you just gotta have Annabelle Hansen. He's gonna be like, we we expected much more lead time on this. We just we're just not prepared. All of our responses for a one ice cube Borg is it's still on the drawing boards. Mm-hmm. So, the main topic of the show, Star Trek turns forty-eight. Yeah, it's entering its midlife, as yeah. some would say. But yeah, so. If you if you're going from September of '66, that would put 50 at September of uh, 2016. So we're getting close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we just had the Doctor Who 50th. So right. come on, Star Trek, get it in gear. I want something awesome in two years. You have, uh, uh, but I, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm hoping the movie will be ready because the next installment of the reboot is supposed to be ready for... I want more than that, Aaron. That is, uh. that is not enough. I want <laughs> anniversary shows. I want special guests pulled back together, special documentaries. I want... I want uh, uh, just put the Akutas in charge, and we'll be good. <laughs> I think I remember for... Oh, I want to say it was the 40th anniversary. They had a big show uh, when... 2004. Six. No, it, it, of Star Trek in general. So yeah. 2006. Was it 2000? I, uh, I think it was before that. Maybe it was. I, the, I know their 30th was. was really big because that was like right in the middle of like that would have been 96. So that would have been like yeah. Star Trek was the ticket. I yeah. Mean, you yeah, had definitely. Voyager out, DS9 out, Next Gen had just ended. So yeah, that that would have been the big shebang. Yeah, they had a big. Um, a big show. It was on UPN, I believe. Of course. <laughs> uh, Where else would it be? <laughs> I remember recording it on my VCR. Uh, I probably have a tape somewhere of of that. I can probably find it on on YouTube. 
Well, it'd be great if at least they broadcasted maybe some of the new Blu-ray upgraded HD next gens, you know, something like that. Because you know, technically, you have three of the five shows are now in HD, so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it kind of reminds me back when ne- the right before they showed All Good Things uh, back in '94, they had the f- top five fan voted yeah. episodes right. hosted by Jonathan Frakes. And that was great. Uh, they get like was. relics, yesterday's enterprise, best of both worlds, one and two, and I think they had the inner light. Inner light, that's right. Those are the five. So I remember that because I I did not like the inner light, and I remember mm. I recorded that whole the special uh, special. Yep, yeah, sorry, drawing a blank. That whole <laughs> special, uh, and plus they had that journey's end, the saga of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right that's after right. that. And they had a bunch of cool commercials. They were selling uh, communicators. Oh, I, I, it's, it's, I feel really sad. Like, I pulled out my old Star Trek communicator, like, the magazine, not the badge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at, like, all the things in the in the store section, and it's like, I know back then, you know, I had no money, and right. everything felt ridiculously expensive, but I look at it, and I'm like, only 20 bucks for this thing? Oh, my gosh, take my money now. Right. But no, alas, if I call the number, it's just nobody answers. Right. Now that we're adults and we can afford yep. it. Yep. My favorite was the last page where it's, like, the classified section, uh-huh. and it's, like, you know white male seeking, you know, white female to discuss Star Trek and, like, maybe more. And I'm like, well, and, and there's no web addresses anywhere. It's, like, email addresses at Hotmail and phone numbers and P.O. boxes. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's come so So it far. was before Craigslist. So. Oh, very much so. <laughs> People were still AOL dialing in. Oh, my goodness. All the 90s. Uh, but but back on Star Trek is turning forty eight, uh, and, and I keep uh, on adding years onto Star Trek. For some reason, in multiple episodes of the podcast, I keep on advancing the age of Star Trek. You saying, "Oh yeah, it's this old." Oh wait, no. I mean, when we hit, that's why we got to get to the fifties. So you could just reset, uh, and then you know, then you'll be on track. Right, exactly. We're on the right track now. Yes. So Star Trek Turns 48, uh, like you mentioned, it premiered in 66, September 8th, uh, 1966, in the U.S. airwaves with the episode The Man Trap. We had not even been on the moon yet. That's true. But I found I always found it interesting that the pilot episode was not the first episode to air. Right. Because back in, it was literally a pilot, like a, it was a test. Not a, it's a test that we're going to show everybody. <laughs> right. Which is how but, things are done now. Yeah, but not even the the second pilot, which was, I think, ended up being the third episode of the series, where No Man Has Gone Before. Mm. Yeah, or episode order and other things were kind of interesting back then, but I don't, I'm not an expert on the original series, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, it had an interesting turnaround. Yeah, so they, they went with the Man Trap just because they thought it was more action and it would draw people in more than where No Man Has Gone Before, which I would have disagreed with. I liked where No Man Has Gone Before with Gary Mitchell and James yeah. R. Kirk. Uh, I remember back when everyone thought that uh, Ken- Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be Gary Mitchell in uh, yeah. Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, I kind of wish that happened. <laughs> 
Yeah, I kind of wish it had just been an original story, but you know. oh yeah, well definitely we didn't need. Well, we didn't. <laughs> we've talked about this on the podcast. Star Trek turns forty-eight this year, <laughs> and uh... so just to go back a little bit on the tombstone of in that episode where No Man's Gone Before, they put James R. Kirk. I wasn't making a mistake. I know it's T. So don't write into me and yell. It's almost at me. like they didn't have Wikipedia back then to check their facts. <laughs> I know, right? I I don't know how common this is, but Star Trek got two pilots in nineteen. Yeah, I don't think that's very common. 60s. That's that's pretty rare. Yeah. So have you seen the cage? Yes. Yeah. And no, I've seen the cage, and I've I mean we've technically all seen the cage in a way with the right. menagerie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I mean, I understand a lot of the change. It's very different though. I mean, the costumes are very different. A lot of right. the crew is different. Uh, a lot of the crew is missing from what we see eventually. Mm-hmm. And so it is a very different show, but I still think it would have worked. Maybe maybe not in 66. Maybe it was a little too early for its time. But, right. uh, but, it's, a, but it's a good episode. Yeah, uh, the only character to be in both pilots and make it into the regular series run was Spock. Uh, so that's something. And they actually, the producers didn't want Spock to be in it. They wanted to get rid of him. But uh, Gene Roddenberry, thankfully, was able to talk them out of that because Spock is my favorite original series character. Oh, yeah. he's. I mean, he started the trend of the character that's not human that is showing us what it is to be human, which we see so much throughout Star Trek. And I can't imagine... I mean, without Spock, it's like... It's a bunch of humans in space, and that's, you know, not nearly as dynamic. Right. Yeah, there was always something, even though, I mean, just ears and interesting eyebrows, it was still something alien about him. Oh, yeah, and that goes to, you know, Leonard Moy's portrayal of him, which he did very, very well. Mm-hmm. And he's a, a Boston native, so I'm from Boston as well. That's why I bring that up. So I, I think that's pretty cool. So with Star Trek, there have been five series, one animated series, and 12 feature films. Yeah, that's that's a pretty impressive franchise. I mean, I remember... I mean, you have other bigger ones, like you have Star Wars, and you have well, we don't talk James, James Bond, and Harry Potter, and uh-huh. other things like that. But, I mean, I like how, of the five series, I mean, Star Trek had spin-offs that thrived i mean mm-hmm. you did that's even rarer than mm-hmm. two pilots is having this second renaissance of the show that spanned three seasons at a time three shows at a time almost mm-hmm. and like a huge it was almost like a 20-year stretch of just of just star trek mm-hmm. uh and that was and that was great that was a great time to be growing i mean that's why we're here talking about star trek is, is right. that period and all and these films i mean Getting, I mean, Star Trek, the motion picture, I mean, everyone's like, oh, why is this shot of the Enterprise so long? Because everyone had 13-inch TVs that were black and white, and that's the only way you saw the Enterprise. So Mm -hmm. if they were going to show it on the big screen, they were going to show it. Right. And, and I I mean, I like that scene. I I enjoy uh, the beautiful model shots. Yeah, those were some uh, good model shots. I like the little uh, guys in spacesuits. On the it's like uh, waving, space dock. like bye, Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty later. cool. I, I can see that happening. Oh yeah, in real life, Star Trek's real, right? Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's totally real. <laughs> and what's really weird, Star Trek kind of was a failure originally, 
it only lasted three seasons, and they moved it to like a the, the time Friday slot night where it slot. wouldn't uh, succeed. So it's kind of weird that it grew into such a huge phenomenon it, with the reruns during the 70s, and then we have, I probably because of Star Wars, we have the motion picture. Right, yeah. CBS was all like, what do we have? Well, we have this little thing called Star Trek. Uh, we could fast-track that into a movie. Okay. Well, they were already working on Phase 2 at that point, but... Right. Um, yeah, and, and... that, let's make a movie. Let's make a movie. Let's go for broke. <laughs> But yeah, no, you get a lot of great, um, and you get a lot of great things. You get uh, all these different crews. You get, and I think, like you're saying, you know, why do you, why this show? Why did this show become so much bigger? I mean, there's lots of shows that came out in the '60s that mm-hmm. did all right or even better. I mean, Mission Impossible had seven seasons. You know, I guess I think financially it probably did, and, and and several movies. But it's not like Star Trek. There aren't Mission Impossible conventions right. where everyone like lights fuses. Uh, but <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm trying to think what you would do at a Mission Impossible convention: wear a mask and light a fuse. But I think it's because Star Trek reached for bigger things. You know, mm-hmm. for the, a lot of the themes it talked about, uh, especially in the day of of the '60s. But I think those things touched people. And again, one of the reasons I've always liked Star Trek is it it's our future. It's mm-hmm. a time where man has put aside a lot of things that we are struggling with today right. and is working together. And I think that is a commonality that you know Mission Impossible or other shows don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. One of the the things you mentioned, Star Trek kind of examines a lot of things that, for its time, it couldn't get away with unless it was in that sci-fi context. With an alien we, or, yeah. Mm-hmm, with an alien. Like, you couldn't talk about racism in the 60s, but they could get away with it because instead of having it black on white, we have an alien that's black on one side and white on the other. <laughs> I don't know how the producers <laughs> didn't catch that one. I don't think they watched the show, but yeah. <laughs> probably not. Even the modern-day Star Treks examine a lot of interesting topics like gender inequality. The next first one comes to mind, next-gen um, drumhead. I mean, mm-hmm. that's talking about, right. I mean, as Picard says in his speech... You know, do we condemn a man because he shares the blood of a common enemy? I mean, we're dealing with that right now. Right. You know, there's, I mean, DS9 has some poignant episodes that deal with like terrorism and mm-hmm. and the and it's just and, and a lot of these almost, I mean, almost every one of these episodes, except for a bit of Enterprise, was like pre 9/11. Yet many of them speak to the tones and themes that we deal with today. Right. And I, I believe there was one episode of The Next Generation that mentioned, like, a unified uh, Ireland mm. and Northern Ireland, and that episode didn't air in England for, like, the longest time. Oh, because of the stuff going on with uh, Ireland. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. what episode that was. Yeah, there's a few that it could have been, but I know what you mean. They go to a planet, and there's, like, you know, whoa, the southern continent is all about this, and no, the northern continent, you know, it's always the continents or something, you know, or yeah. the southern protectorate, you know, it's, it's everything's based on geography, because they can't use terms, because we wouldn't know what they mean. Right. Uh, 
But yeah, no, and, and Star Trek did that very well. I mean, there's an episode, I think it's in season three, where there's like these clans and they're like trying to kill each other over a- the ages. And one is like, right. I'm the last of my clan. I'm going to kill you. You're the last of my clan. Like these blood feuds that go on and on and on. And, mm-hmm. um, and Star Trek just takes those things and it holds it up to us and says, look at this, you know, in a way that other shows can't. That's one of the reasons why I think I'm drawn to Star Trek. And I think many people are. Even though I was young when I started watching Star Trek The Next Generation, I think I was, let's see, it came out in 87? Yeah, 87. So I was like four years old. (laughs) Uh, So I probably wasn't watching when I was four. But I was pretty young when I started watching it. Uh, So I probably didn't catch all those things, but I liked it. Um, Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I didn't, yeah, I I don't believe I watched it when I was four, but I do remember watching the end of it, of the finale Mm -hmm. in season seven, and then I, it was on every day, every weekday at five, and I was home, and I was sitting in front of the TV to catch the reruns, so that's how I caught a lot of it, was through reruns. Mm -hmm. So kids, reruns were when you couldn't choose which episode (laughs) was going to be shown today, and you had to wait not like Netflix where you could binge watch the entire series in one go but I would do the same I remember one summer the network that was playing Star Trek the Next Generation uh, in syndication decided to switch it up so I had a whole summer of the original series playing instead and I was like oh my goodness because I wasn't a big original series fan right and that was kind of like oh what am I going to do now? So I ended up just watching the original series. And now that I'm older, I like the original series. I don't know if you had any kind of experience like that. It's. I mean, I enjoy the original series. I, I mean, there's probably definitely even episodes I haven't caught a few, but it's... But I will pop it in every once in a while and be like, okay, let's watch, you know, a good one. I kind of, I'll call on my friends in Standard Orbit and be like, okay, what, what one do I need to watch? You know, what's a good one? Because there definitely are some lemons in the group. But yeah, uh, but you know, you get a little mirror, mirror, or uh, I think I sat down one day and I watched Mirror, Mirror, and then the uh, Star Trek Continues episode where it's like picked up right after it. And that right. was fun. Yeah, that was I good. really enjoyed that. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but definitely some, some great episodes, some good Kirk speeches, you know, can't can ever not have a good Kirk speech. So. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, people talk about Picard making speeches, but Kirk made some in his day. That's, that's true. Do you have any favorite Star Trek moments in, in general? Uh, yeah, def- I mean, I've been a Trekkie for a long, long time, back when it was not quite the coolest thing to, uh, right. to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it might have cost me one or two lunch monies, but no, it, no, it didn't. But yeah, I mean, when I was little, I had, I was the friend, I was that friend, okay? So I had the birthday party where, like, everyone had to dress up in Star Trek, and oh, I turned two, my living room into the, into the bridge, and, uh, <laughs> and course as the captain and uh actually i filmed a little like tin can or something and i timed it with the time code on the vcr so that i had a little script so i would say fire the torpedoes at a certain time and then on the film a little like torpedo would go on the screen of course you know it's this huge bridge but again we have my 15 inch television like in the front you know but (laughs) 
And then awesome. I, during spring break, I would have my friends come over and we'd stay up for like a whole day and we'd make little movies with my playmates' action figures and bridge playset and all of that. So, did you, you film know. it? Oh yes, yeah. It's it's on it's on it's online. I'll give you, I'll send you the links. Oh, uh, definitely do. I would love I to made, see that. I made two. One in in uh, one in ninety three, and my voice is a little higher. Uh, <laughs> and the, the the second part of that one, I had to shoot live action because I couldn't figure out how to do it with a. Uh, with figures and my family graciously accommodated my demands. But yeah, so those those were a lot of fun. There's a third one I haven't finished putting together that probably will never see the light of day. But it was it was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. and my friends were good and we we had a lot of fun with that. But it's been a lot of fun just more recently, you know, doing Earl Grey, getting to talk about the show with uh, the guys and. I mean, we're talking about a show that's over 20 years old that hasn't been on the air forever, and we're talking about it with such love and zeal and it's so much fun mm-hmm. i mean you, you know like you know like you and you know eric like whenever you're able to talk with someone at that level you know that's what's really fun because you know i mean i can talk about star trek with other people or like my parents or something and you can talk about it but you're you're holding back you know on oh. purpose cuz you don't want to scare them cuz <laughs> it could it could easily be scary but one of the most fun has been uh, i've been starting to introduce star trek to my daughter who's a little over 2 I don't let her see any of the scary episodes because, I mean, my first episode I remember is Conspiracy with the exploding head. Oh, wow. So that lived in my memory for a long time. So I'm like, we're not watching that episode. But uh, it... In HD. Oh, oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it just, it warms my heart that she's starting to connect the characters. She loves Data. She'd be like, Data and Picard, like... And and the Enterprise, I've I've started to introduce what that is, and so she, we'll we'll put an episode from Netflix, and the uh, opening title will start, and she'll like mm-hmm. turn and kind of look at it and kind of like <laughs> run over into my lap and sit, and then you know the Enterprise comes by and she's like Enterprise, or actually today was the cutest. She was like it's coming, and then <laughs> and because it's like the space scene in the beginning, yep. and then you see the Enterprise. Of course, she's like Saturn and Moon and and uh, and then the Enterprise, and she's like, Enterprise! And then the Enterprise flies away, and then she's like, bye-bye, Enterprise, see you later, Enterprise. But the Enterprise comes back, because in the intro, it comes by like five times. So right. every time, it's like, bye-bye, Enterprise, see you later, Enterprise. Bye-bye, Enterprise, see you later, Enterprise. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it just it brings such joy to my heart. It, it's I, She really has no choice in being a Trekkie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of going to be ingrained in her, but... I can tell she loves it and she likes the characters and and like I said, as long as you are cautious about which episodes, because there are definitely some that are scarier, yeah. uh, but there are a lot of ones that are fun and uh, and are good. And I think you know it's never too early to get someone involved in such a great show. And uh, that's true. Uh, we're we're gonna hold off on DS9. Uh, it's a little yeah. a little on the darker side. Maybe we'll do some Alamoraine count to four. That's pretty harmless, but. But have you that, introduced her to the animated series? I haven't. That's actually a good a good thought. Is that available on Netflix? It is. I can't recall. It, Maybe I'll I'll pull that up. Yeah, that seventies Scooby Doo esque uh, animation. Yeah. That's a good idea. My favorite one of those is when they have the force field belts around themselves to basically <laughs> yeah. not have to animate spacesuits. Right. But you know. We all know what you're doing there. <laughs> We're not fooled at all. Yeah, yeah. 
But, I mean, that's the kind of cost-cutting that Star Trek's known for. That's why we have transporters, because they couldn't afford to land the ship, or they didn't have a, uh, a full-scale model, or a full-size uh, prop out of the shuttlecraft until oh, yeah. a few episodes in. So that's, that's why... Like, that's why you get the Galileo 7, where they... Yeah. Like, why don't they just take a shuttle down? Well, we don't have a shuttle, so we have to write this episode that, like we don't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of good memories with with Star Trek. I'd have to say probably my favorite episode is Gambit, uh, part oh, one and two. Really? I know it's uh, some people really like it. My both of my co co-hosts are like really, but I I think there's it's a great two parter. Honestly, if you made that in a movie and put it on the screen, like I'd love it. You see Picard doing other things, like being a hands-on captain. He's like behind the scenes and he's undercover. You see mm-hmm. Riker in command. You see Data in command. And you get some great Data in command episode, uh, moments uh, with him and Worf. And everyone has something to do. Everyone's valuable. It's it kind of takes a little bit of a left turn at the very very end, but uh, but overall, I really enjoy that uh, as one of the few not cliffhanger two-parters that was in the middle of the season. Mm. And then another favorite, which my co-hosts definitely know about, is uh, Ship of the Line uh, is a book uh, written. It takes place after, mostly after the destruction of the Enterprise-D and kind of like Picard deciding if he wants to stay in Starfleet and is he okay. going to be the captain of the Enterprise-E. But it weaves in the story of Morgan Bateson, which is the captain in Times... Cause and Effect. Cause and Effect. One of those time travel ones. So Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I really, really like it. Actually, it'll be an episode in a couple of weeks on Earl Grey. I'm forcing my co-host to read it. Uh, but <laughs> cool. that's one of my favorite books. I've read it several times. And it's just, it's good Star Trek. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, birthday parties, home movies, you know, costumes. And I, but I've not been to a Trek convention. Oh, uh, I've been I to know. my first one uh, this year, actually. Was it the Star Trek Las Vegas one? No, we uh, there was one in Boston. Okay. Uh, so we went to that. Me and my uh, my fiance went. Cool. Uh, I kind of. your fiance. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I've been slowly. Well, we've been uh, together for quite some time. It's been like uh, like seven years or so. So I uh, like a season of Star Trek. Uh, yes, to say, watch out! Generations is coming. We all know what <laughs> yeah. happens with that. Uh oh my goodness, but uh so I've been easing her in. She's been on a few episodes of the podcast already, so she she now considers herself a fan of Star Trek, mainly of the original series, and she loves Captain Kirk for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Just show him current pictures. Just show her current pictures. Uh, she knows what he looks like. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah, so that was fun, and actually there was a. Star Trek Facebook community that sprung from that convention. convention. Okay. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. Still being able to communicate and touch base with uh, fans that are in the area and, and fans that uh, traveled from different states to come to the Star Trek convention, because like states, uh, Maine, Vermont, that might not be getting a Star Trek convention, they have to come down to Boston to. Uh, to see that, yeah, so but see, cool. but see, you jump states like it's you know your next door neighbor. I drive six hours north. And I'm in the middle of my state, so it, 
it's uh, a little different on the East Coast over there. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of putting some loose plans together. A lot of the Trek FM hosts are wanting to try to go to Star Trek Las Vegas 2015 uh, okay. to kind of meet up, and so that would be a lot of fun. It's definitely within driving distance for me, so we'll see if we can swing that. But that'd be, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. The, yeah, the nerd level a- is going to be really high. <laughs> you guys should do a podcast from the convention. Oh yeah, definitely. I oh, there'll be there'll awesome. be many podcasts. We we'll probably knowing us, we'll launch a new show right before. <laughs> It'll be called Star Trek or Trek FM goes to the convention, and each episode will be about each of us getting ready. And uh, <laughs> you know, and no, I'm just kidding. But actually, not because that could happen. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. No, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm hoping to make it out to the 2016 Las Vegas convention because uh, it'll be the 50th. Oh, there you go. Uh, so that's something, and hopefully, well, hopefully I meet Eric before then. <laughs> but if not, I'm hoping that I'll meet He's him. He's just now. a couple dates over. I mean, what are you what are you complaining about? I'm sure you <laughs> could reach him in a fortnight. Well, we're um, well. Uh, I'm getting married next year. And he's probably invited to the wedding. <laughs> so there you uh, go. Hopefully, that's hopefully, a good reason. That's a yeah. very good reason. So hopefully he'll make it to to the wedding. So like you, I've had Star Trek birthdays. Usually I was the only one dressed up in my TNG onesie uniform costume there. But I did have a couple of friends that did humor me and get uniforms and wear them. Oh, those are the those are the true friends. Yeah. <laughs> My first Star Trek movie experience going to the movie theater was Generations. And I wore the uniform to the movie theater. I brought my little Playmates phaser with me. So that was fun. Yeah, uh, my wife made us uh, some classic Kirk, uh, like a blue or a, a a gold Kirk tunic and a blue science officer dress for her for the Star Trek 2009 movie so that was nice. that was a lot of fun going to in because yeah. you know you gotta costumes are are great oh yeah costumes are definitely great i did not cosplay at the convention but i think maybe i will next time i do have a couple of uniforms that actually do fit me uh so we'll see because obviously what? i can't i can't wear that 1994 uh no. once anymore I did have a 94, like, DS9 jumpsuit, and I know for a fact that that does not fit me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I do have my red kind of normal, kind of like Riker's, you know, uh, two-piece uh, two-piece tunic. Uh, or not tunic, but, yeah, but uniform. Right. But I would be fairly tempted to wear my other bit of sci-fi armor just to, just to get a rise out of some of the uh, <laughs> people there. I mean, who's not what, who, you know, who would turn down... Uh, a photo op to be aiming a phaser at a stormtrooper's head. You know, that's I, true. I don't know. Actually, uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, basically, since July of this year, I've been a member of the 501st, which is a international costuming organization of Star Wars villains, and it is yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. So I basically put together from a kit and many, many hours and months of hard work, my own stormtrooper armor, <laughs> full screen accurate to A New Hope. 
And yeah, I get to go on awesome troops with some awesome people. I've been to Dodger Stadium. I've been in parades. I am going to be doing a 5K later this month uh, to raise money for uh, breast cancer. Awesome. And it's it's a lot of fun. And I, I mean, the first thing I'll say is is it's definitely not a cheap hobby, mm-hmm. but you know, because of what we're doing with it and what we're, you know, and, and the, and the charities and the work like that justifies it to me. Like I wouldn't definitely not put this much money into something that was just a really cool costume, but the things I'm able to use it for, I've been able to go to um, orphanages and children's hospitals. And that's the real, that's the best part is, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that people really enjoy and, and getting to uh, to to do. I've actually recently just finished my own mouse droid, so I got my own little uh, right. remote controlled mouse droid, and he's been on a troop or so with me. And uh, so I, I I'm going to help some of my my friends build their own because everybody wants one now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I saw the pictures. It's uh, in a, a video, I believe. It's uh, pretty uh, pretty cool to see. Yeah, it like zipping around, and I have the sound effects coming out of him. And he, at the troop he was at, there was a, a, a Chewbacca there, so we posed for some pictures, like the you know where it zips up and Chewbacca yells at him and he zips away. And <laughs> uh, so anytime you can recreate those awesome Star Wars shots, it's a lot of fun. And again, it's just been a really great community, really great people. Uh, really love their fandom, but are really nice. Uh, everyone's been super friendly and helpful, and tons of help just in figuring out how to put this thing together and how to, what tricks to assemble it correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, yeah, definitely it's going to be a, a nice long time of enjoying this armor. And the great thing about being a TK is eventually, you know, when you get old and and dirty, you just make it a sand trooper, and then there you go, yeah. it gets a gets a second life. Awesome. That that's pretty cool. And the charity aspect of it, I I didn't realize. That's that's awesome. Yeah, they. Uh, so I think somewhere on their website, which is 501st.com, it, they list like how much they've raised each year, and it's it's a lot of money. I I I won't take a stab at it because I can't honestly remember the the amount. But uh, we're actually on every continent. We just had our first squad uh, in South Africa. And so cool. now we are on every well, except for Antarctica, but you know every populated <laughs> continent, we are there. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a great great uh, great organization that I can't speak any higher of. That's awesome. Yeah. So any anything else you'd like to speak of? Uh, no, I think that's uh, you know I could talk about Star Trek you know all day. Uh, <laughs> right. If, yeah. Um, and and I think we did a good job covering our our intro to to Star Trek. I talked a lot about it as well when we launched Earl Grey. That was kind of our first episode where we shared about what got us into Star Trek, and mm-hmm. um, I think I spoke a little bit more about that. But uh, yeah, but if you if you definitely want to hear you know our different thoughts, or if you have even topic suggestions uh, as we're uh, rotating through things, we will get to covering more of the main characters. Don't worry. Uh, they, we we've done like Pulaski and like oh, what? <laughs> uh, I know I know everyone's like well, how could you do Pulaski before you do like Troy and we're like we're we're taking our time okay we this is a this is gonna be going for a while mm-hmm. but doing Earl Grey has been a lot of fun and getting to to talk with people you know like I've said many times before who really enjoy their fandom and are really passionate about it. Uh, like the Starfleet Escape podcast, like many other podcasts out there, I I really enjoy that, and it's and it's a lot of fun. 
And I, I think that's another aspect to Star Trek is the community it fosters. You know, you can sit down with a, a TOS fan and a TNG fan and have a great conversation about... Generations. <laughs> generations, yeah, exactly. Or Relics. Yeah, there you go. Or uh, that episode. you can always strike a conversation. And, you know, for, for the most part, I mean, there aren't really people who are like... I mean, there are definitely people who like one series over another, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And you can have your favorite, and and you can defend it, or and, but everyone, you know, is pretty good about. Yes, this is a great show, but it does have its flaws, like any right. show. And and most people are pretty open about that. No one's like, oh, you can't say anything bad about the original series. We we call the original series like our father because it really, you know, it started up. And then our children are the other series as they went. So. But it's great. And like you said, the community is one of the best parts. Mm-hmm. Why don't we move on to the next section of the show, the subspace channels. Now, the question was, if given the chance, would you go into space? So we had a lot of answers, and they were all mainly a variation of yes. <laughs> so I decided to pick the two best answers, and I will discuss that in a second. But Darren... If you had the opportunity, would you go into space? Now, I did just watch Apollo 13, like, about three <laughs> days ago. Uh-huh. So, uh... But that was a long time ago. I, uh, yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs> Although we have had some recent tragedies. So. If if we had... Uh, I think if I was given the opportunity, like a legitimate mm-hmm. opportunity... I'd be severely tempted to go into space just because it's such a unique experience that you're really not going to get to experience again. I think the, the the biggest thing I'd just have to work over is once you're up there, you're unless you're really doing something, you're kind of just in the way. <laughs> That's uh, true. But no, I mean, I've loved, you know, Space Camp and Explorers, you know, all those great classic go-into-space movies. So I, I'd have to say yes, I, I would. And But uh, I, I know Maureen would not like that. She's like, after <laughs> I saw Apollo 13, she's like, I'm really glad you're not an astronaut. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not an astronaut. but <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, no, gosh, <laughs> Uh, I've seen uh, I've seen um, space cowboys. It's really hard to uh, become an astronaut. No, I'm just <laughs> that's not the most accurate portrayal of the astronaut corps. I'm just saying. <laughs> I would probably be very tempted <laughs> to go into space, but I don't think my mother or my fiance would allow me to do so. But if People were doing it all the time. Like, if it became a standard industry, like... uh, I mean, are we talking about, like, riding riding along Virgin Galactic, or are we talking about, like, hitching a Soyuz to the ISS? Uh, I'm I'm thinking more of, like, a Virgin Galactic, where it's... Edge of space. Yeah. Go up to the space hotel, come down in a day kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot could still go wrong. Well, yeah. But... I think it would be fun, a fun experience. I think it would be. Wait, to experience weightness, weightlessness, I think yeah. that would be worth it. Yeah, and no, I think that would be fun. I think the view would be oh, yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, like it's in HD, man. <laughs> it's like it's right there. <laughs> so the answers, the two best answers that I picked were from Facebook. So first we have Fletcher who says, absolutely, if safety and returning were about 95% guaranteed. 
I don't think you're ever going to get to those percentages, Fletcher. Uh, it's it's nothing routine about going into space, but maybe in the 24th century. But. Right. And next, we have Ivan, who says, I don't know, that's an awfully long time I'd have to go without Internet access. Well, they do have Internet access aboard the ISS, and there's actually even a... It's technically not Internet access, even though it's on the Internet. They do have a couple of HD cameras on the ISS right now that if mm-hmm. you, you can see where it is and what it's looking at, and I always catch it right after it's passed over my home. So, oh. uh, yeah, I don't think the bandwidth speed is very fast, though. I don't think you're going to be streaming any Netflix. but I wouldn't imagine so. So, yeah, the, those were the two best, or not, I don't want to say best. Those were the two... Most original. Most original, yeah. Beside, most of the answers were just like the original series. It wasn't the best, but it, <laughs> oh. it started something. Oh, I'm just kidding. We can have fan mail now. Um, That's good. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> write your write your fan hate to Eric Berry at the Starfleet Escape Podcast dot com. Yes. So next, the the final segment of the show. What puts my quantum state into flux? So this week. Why are quote-unquote Star Trek fans upset with the franchise reboot? We've discussed this on the show before, but on the 48th anniversary of the franchise, I think it's worth mentioning again. Star Trek is an ever-evolving creature. This new version of the Final Frontier has exposed the next generation of fans to an incredibly diverse franchise. This exposure will lead them to explore the prime universe of Trek, and I think this is a good thing. So to those fans, I say, stop hating and enjoy the new Trek through the stars. No, I I agree that when Star Trek 2009 came out, you know, so many people were like, is there more to this? And then it was like, uh, yes, there's actually about 500 episodes uh, across five shows. Would you care to look over here? And, you know, there was many new fans of the series and the franchise because of that. And, and I'm okay with that. You know, it, Mm-hmm. Like you, I think you hit it perfectly where you said Trek is an ever-evolving creature. I mean, we've talked many times about uh, what's the next Star Trek series going to be like when it comes back right. to television, because we all know it's a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we have to really be ready for it to be different from what we've seen in the past. It, it cannot be a next, next gen. It, it's got to be for the audience, for the times, for the distribution model, for all of that. But if, as long as at its core, it's Star Trek, then I think we'll be all right. That's the trick. I'll definitely be watching it, because really, I'm not going to not watch it if it's called Star Trek. I mean, <laughs> right. it, yeah, you, you, you've already got us. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really don't understand where all this hate comes from. And I've seen a lot of it on the Star Trek Axanar front, where we have people saying, oh, this is Star Trek. Forget the J.J. universe. Yeah, because nothing happened after the original three seasons. Like, that doesn't... Oh. Yeah. So, I don't know. Not to knock... It's not the people from Star Trek Axanar. It's, it's regular uh, Star Trek fans. Right. And I, I don't understand that mentality, but it's all good. It's it's all good. I mean, it 
things besides Star Trek have that. There's always the original crew, or the original group, and there's always when things change and evolve. And there's people who just don't like it, and they just want their little slice of the original, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the original series got the HD treatment. The original series, I mean, like we keep saying, when, when it comes to fan productions, a lot of times, nine times out of ten, I would say it's the original series that they focus on, which is great. You can still tell great stories. I mean, you have Star Trek Continues, which looks like it just came off the same set. Right. And that would be much more difficult to pull off on... I mean, can you imagine someone trying to be, like, DS9 continues? Everything would be completely CG set. I mean, there's no way you could pull it off. But, yeah, but, no, I I think I'm really happy for, like, fan productions because I think they're really pulling the franchise forward if the rights holders aren't going to, we're going to, and keep it in people's memories so it will come back about. Mm -hmm. I agree. That pretty much sums up this episode. Thank you, Darren for joining me again. Now, if people want to find you on the internet, how would they go about that? Uh, the best way uh, to find me is my website, which is drsci-fi.com, which is D-R-S-C-I-F-I, uh, which also ties into the best way to talk to me would be through Twitter, which is uh, username drsci-fi. Uh, it's a moniker a friend of mine gave me after I had dazzled him with some of my Star Trek knowledge and it uh-huh. stuck or, or more so I turned it into my brand so mm-hmm. uh, but that's uh, that's the best way to find me and uh, I'll be posting there I, eventually with some troop reports from my 501st exploits to eventually when I bring the Dr. Sci-Fi show back from uh, hiatus into its third season awesome and you can find me at Nova Charter on Twitter and you can also find me at Nova Charter on Star Trek Riza. And those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me, if you so wish to do so. You can also go to our website, sfxgatepod.com. So, again, thank you for joining me. And until next time, we'll, uh, we'll see you later. Thank you very much. And, yeah, we'll have to dock again soon. Live long and prosper. Oh, live long and prosper. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfescapepod.com. Hey guys, <laughs> how's it going? I love Power Rangers. If you want to find me, go to TrekkieB474477. I love Power Rangers. No, I'm just kidding. That's not Man, it. that was a dead-on impression. Oh, that was terrible impression. This has been a proud production of the 4-Eyed Radio Network. Check out more shows on 4 Radio. Dot com. Beam me up, Scott.